And welcome back into another episode of the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. We've got a lot going on in the National Hockey League. Ton of stuff going on. Big injuries. Lots of playoff races coming down the stretches. We're down under 20 games. A lot of teams down to under 15 games left in the season. So really, it is getting to that stretch time. A lot of teams. It's make or break time. Guys, we're going to jump right into things here big injury that's going to affect the playoff race in the East. And you hate to say that with an injury, but it's true. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to be without their best offensive player in Andre Svechnikov for the rest of the season as he tore his ACL. Tom, what is the impact here? I Are there words for how big of an impact it is for the Carolina Hurricanes? I think I think Tuesday night was a rally for them. You know, they won that game pretty handedly. Uh, his first game out, he was in the building before surgery or the surgery might have, yeah, right before the surgery, I believe, kind of playing for him. I saw their admin Twitter account tweeted the empty net went in with 3.7. There's no, there's no underestimating the impact that Svechnikov has on that team. And at first, it might seem like they're okay. But when the going gets tough, when the playoffs start, when they get down to the last couple of games, they are really going to have to find something. And to me, Carolina already plays kind of a hybrid of a boring game, but also it could be an electric game. You know, Rob Brindamore has no problem playing the Islander-style hockey and really, really, really dumb a game down and play really boring and use his skill guys like Ajo like Sveshnikov, to just get them a couple, one, two goals behind the net, and they'll lock it down defensively. Now they might have to open up a little more because they're going to have to generate offense in other ways, and they can't necessarily just rely on locking down a game and hoping Sveshnikov snipes one past the goalie or Ajo and Sveshnikov that line sets something up or that power play. Their power play takes a huge hit. Every facet of their game, Sveshnikov was great in the defensive zone. He was He was a heavy hitter. He brought pressure. He was their best scoring forward, most likely you could argue, and he was on their top line and their top power play. So post-deadline, you're not replacing that. You could try to find ways to win, but you're not replacing it. So I think it's huge, and I think you know the two teams that we're fans of, you guys, the Devils, and, and myself as a Ranger fan, this has a huge impact on the Metro because now the Devils have a legit shot to win the Metro. They already did with Sveshnikov healthy, but this just helps that fact. And now if the Rangers run into Carolina in the first round, it's I think the Rangers could be favorites in the series. So it, it, it's wild, the impact, but that's that's what he has, and it's going to be huge. I'm very curious to see how they, they respond to this. Yeah, just to kind of touch on what Svechnikov means to this team. First in the team in scoring chances with 190 in just 64 games this year. Expected goals, 22.8. That's second on the team. Uh, Slot passes, 114. Third on the team. Ozone possession, 41 minutes and 58 seconds this season in 64 games. That's third on the team. Svechnikov is a big-time player, and really, this is the second top six forward Carolina's losing. Tom, you mentioned how big it was for the Devils to get Meyer just because they were now prying him away from Carolina potentially getting him. Now, all of a sudden, Carolina doesn't not only doesn't get a guy like Timo Meyer, but they lose Svechnikov as well. It's a huge impact in terms of the playoff race for the Devils potentially winning the Metro. And if the Rangers see Carolina 
the first round, it just makes the path a little bit more clear. Not saying that the Rangers are a shoe in to win the series still. Also not saying that the Rangers wouldn't have won the series again with Carolina if they met in the first round this year. But it definitely makes the Rangers path a bit more clear with Svechnikov not on the ice. It It's not disrespecting Carolina to say that Carolina is not as good of a team because they aren't. Now, Mike, I want to hear your thoughts on the injury. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 very uh, discouraging, you know, if you're probably a Carolina fan and everything like that. I mean, to an extent, right, because, you know, this team has still got a lot of, uh, loaded with talent. Um, you know, like Tom said, it best, too. They play a very slow pace in defensive hockey. So, you know, they, you know, it, it does take away the, the big uh, aspect when it comes to them offensively. Uh, you know, like you said, this guy's 22. He, you know, he leads the team in every single offensive category. And and now he's not there to open things up for them when it comes to the offensive side of things. But we know we can trust our defense, right? And they still got a lot of talent, um, you know, for the offensive end as well. You know, there's Ajo and and there's and there's a good scorer like Natchez too. So, I mean, like, I believe they could still put up goals. Like Tom said, though, they just got to find ways to open it up now now that special cops not there uh that basically made it easy for them to do um but when it comes to the playoffs coming up uh and everything in this last stretch of games i think carolina is absolutely good enough to to win enough games and and still secure obviously the division um it's going to be a lot harder uh teams are going to compete with them now uh, more than ever now that they know that the chance is there um but you know all well wishes to especially cobb hopefully he uh, recovers very quickly um because you know he's a young talent that we want to see in this league for a very long time and obviously you know he's been a big impact since he's got to carolina um and, and he will be in the future absolutely as well yeah, for sure, Mike. Now, let's shift our conversation over to the West. We haven't really focused a lot on the West. And, you know, we were kind of talking before we jumped on and recorded the podcast that we do have some East Coast bias here. We will be a lot more critical of the teams out in the East. But at the same time, I also feel like we haven't been taking the teams out in the West as seriously and the playoff race as seriously because this race is really close not only for potentially a wild card but for these divisions these divisions are not locked up by any means you have the dallas stars who have played 68 games leading the central with 87 points minnesota with a game in hand 67 games played 84 points if they can win that game in hand they'll not only have more wins than dallas at 39 to dallas's 37 but they would be just one point behind Dallas thanks to Dallas's 13 losses in overtime or shootout. So for this Minnesota team, this race is wide open. And then you have Colorado, who, again, same as Minnesota, with three games in hand. If they win all three of those games, they are just one point behind Dallas. That's three teams perhaps within striking distance. Granted, Colorado is dealing with another injury, Arturi Lekkanen. He's going to be out indefinitely. So another issue for the Avalanche. You shift over to the Pacific. You have the Los Angeles Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. Same amount of games played, 68 and Vegas sits in first, 90 points. The Kings with 87. Edmonton's in third with 82 points. So barring any ridiculous run, which you can't count out with Connor McDavid, I mean, these two divisions, the top two teams in, in the Pacific and really the top three teams in the Central all still have a shot. Mikey D, what do you make out of this race out in the West? I just think it's hilarious, Ben, right? Because I remember, you know, earlier on this podcast, you know, weeks ago, we were just bashing the West, saying like how, 
you know, how funny he is compared to the East because the East, I'm not going to say brothel again to get you laugh and everything like that. But um, obviously, we know how good the East is um, and everything like that. But it's, it's crazy how coming down the stretch, how close uh, the West is getting now. And I think it's that Pacific division that really catches my eye here because you said, too, there's a lot of teams with uh, with games in hand as well as the Central. So, um, and I know you said it before we got on the podcast about Nashville and everything like that. You don't think they're good enough to get in. But, you know, they also have three games in hand, too. They can find a way to sneak in if everything goes their way. Um, so it's getting very interesting down the stretch. Um, and it's crazy to see. And there is so much talent on this West side of things and teams. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we just get this stunning finish um, when it comes to teams such as Dallas. We really like Minnesota, and then you can never count out Colorado and how good they are. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's set in stone. I, I know it seemed like it was that way weeks ago when we talked about it, uh, but now it's looking like it is not at all. So I'm just very excited to see how it's going to turn out um, when the season concludes here. Yeah, definitely. A lot of just great hockey the last few weeks out west with Minnesota going on a tear. They were on the they looked like they were going to be on the outside looking in soon. All of a sudden they go on a nice little streak here this past week taking care of enough business to stay within striking distance of Dallas. And you know, again, just we've got a race out there. Now Tom, we're going to kick it over to you. I know, you know, you're a big fan of Minnesota here. Do you think they have enough to eventually win and overtake Dallas for the central this year. Great question. I do really like Minnesota. I think Caprasov Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. I think Caprasov uh you know he got a little banged up. I think he's playing, you know, he's a little hurt. They're old. Their age is starting to show a little more when I watch them. They traded Greenway, which was just confusing to me. I didn't understand that because he was kind of he brought that youthfulness to them. You know, a lot of speed. Gave them a good good depth in their third line. I don't know. I think Dallas, I've watched a little more of them ever since we started doing this podcast because I want to understand the West more uh, to your point and both of your points you were making earlier. And I just think watching Dallas, they just seem more complete and I think their style of play will 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 keep them away from going on any type of long losing streak to allow Minnesota to make up, you know, the extra point if we assume they win their their game in hand. I think Dallas will probably avoid, you know, losing two or three games down the stretch where I could see Minnesota maybe falling. What I will say about the West is, and, and this is a generic point about hockey and watching hockey for so many years, nothing aggravates me more than when a team like Vancouver, they're on a five-game winning streak right now. Absolute heater. Kuzmenko is like turning into a star within our eyes, like a, the scoring star, this kid. You know, they got Crafts off playing great. I mean, Tockett's like flipping this the script on having these guys play hard. Nothing pisses me off more than that. Even Montreal beating Pittsburgh. I mean, that was great for me as a Ranger fan. But there's something about like towards the end of the year when these young inexperienced terrible teams all year start to like flip a switch and they start playing great hockey and they I don't want to use the word ruin but they kind of throw a wrench in these good teams side when other teams maybe have benefited from their you know really bad stretch like for example I don't know if this is actually true but Vegas could have played Vancouver in like a four-week stretch they could have played them two or three times when they were terrible and won and got six points out of them but now a team like let's say the Kings has to play Vancouver two times next week. They're on a five game heater. It's like a completely different team, a completely different mindset. And that's what is just the beauty of sports, but also something in hockey that I've noticed way more than the other sports where it's like every night, no matter who you're playing, you got to be ready. And it could be the difference between finishing first in your division or 
you know, being a wild card team. It, it's insane to me. It's it's wild. And that's why I love the sport, but it's also just like aggravating when you really think about it. Like Vancouver, like like if I was a fan of like the the Golden Knights and I don't win the division and the Kings catch me and I lost two games of Vancouver, I'm gonna be like, what the hell? We really had to play Vancouver when they got on their heater and not when they sucked. Like it would just aggravate me. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that's frustrating. But at the same time, it's important to think as well. Because you look at Boston, you think, oh, Boston, it doesn't matter. Well, Boston's an apparition. They're making history literally every week this season. And they so lost to the Blackhawks. Yeah, and they did lose to the Blackhawks as well. So they're going to wow. lose games as well. But they're not going to be as important for the Bruins' standpoint. But if you look at Vegas, yeah, those games are important with the Kings just three points back. That's definitely ground they can make up. I mean, they can make that up just by losing games in overtime instead of in regulation. So, like, it's one of those things that you definitely have to keep an eye on. I think the central race is going to be a little bit more tight, though. I think Jonathan Quick in Vegas has been great. I have loved to see it. I mean, I think you think he's playing motivated right now because he is going out there and he is just winning games. He picked up a shutout against Carolina. I know that was uh, where Svechnikov ended up getting injured and he missed most of that game. But still, uh, Quick comes in, gets a shutout against Carolina. He has won all three of his starts so far, to st- or he won his first three starts to start out his Vegas career. You know, I love to see it. And that's all Vegas needs is just someone to hold down the fort because they have a good enough team in front of them to win hockey games. So I think Vegas will hold on to that top spot. But you look out in the central, I think Minnesota can catch Dallas. Well, I think Dallas is the better team. I think Minnesota is just hot right now. And if they can stay hot, it'll be enough to overtake Dallas for the central, especially because Dallas is still one of those teams that even though they're good, it still feels like a lot of those young guys are figuring it out. The veteran leadership has taken them far. I don't know how far it will take them the rest of the season. I think come playoff time, they are going to get a second wind. And that's where you're going to see guys like Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan really show their stuff, especially Joe Pavelski, but young guys like Jason Robertson, you know, this is, this is a new, new element for them playing games like this at the end of the year. And I think the, the veteran leadership needs to step it up and I think they will come playoff time, but right now they're still kind of just reining it in and figuring things out a bit. Now we'll shift things again. We're going to go back East and Tom, your Rangers. We haven't talked about them so much. (laughs) We haven't talked about (laughs) them too much the last couple of weeks. So (laughs) they have some big games coming up. And it's against the team in the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, you mentioned this two weeks ago on the pod. You weren't, you were a little nervous about these games coming up. Well, it's an eight point lead for that third spot. I know you're not nervous anymore. What? You (laughs) said you were a little nervous before. (laughs) But, you know, you might not be worried so much about the Penguins catching the Rangers. Do you think there's a shot of maybe even the Rangers getting? home ice or maybe even the metropolitan division if they can go on a heater and take all of these games against pittsburgh because in theory they should be the better team absolutely not the rangers are locked in the third spot and i'm not trying to talk myself into or believing that they could catch either carolina or the devils and i'll say i'll say this the rangers have a tendency to play tight games no matter who they're playing it's been 
a staple of the gallant New York Rangers over the last two years. They could be playing the Coyotes. They could be playing the Boston Bruins. They're going to play a tight game. Uh, they're going to be – the game is going to be tight. They'll dominate a period. They'll play lackadaisical in the next period. Then they'll play solid the next period. I saw it last night, uh, Tuesday night against the Capitals. Looked like one of the best teams in hockey in the first period. They were out shooting Washington at a point like 12-1. to 1. All the, the the ice was totally tilted. Then the second period comes around. Washington puts the pressure on them. It's 2-1. The Rangers bounce back, whatever. By the middle of the third period, it's 4-3. Like that, That's how the game goes. So I know they're going to lose a couple games they should probably win. And uh, the one thing I want to point out about the Rangers in where they are right now is I think Gallant has found the lines and Patrick Kane needed to practice with the team. He is a completely different player than the Patrick Kane we saw in the first two games where everybody was ripping him and saying it was a bad trade. Patrick Kane has been exactly what the Rangers needed in their top six. The, he, he's injected confidence. He's injected poise. He's injected experience. His He looks quick, a little slower than obviously his past. He's 34 years old or 33 years old, obviously. But Galan has found his, his group and my most what I was saying when they made the Kane trade and when I was proposing the Kane trade that I said to both of you, I said the New York Rangers fourth line could possibly win them a playoff series and they are dominant. Mont Goudreau and VC, I will go on record saying they are the best fourth line in hockey and they've only probably played three games with each other. It's too much talent on a fourth line and it's too much experience on a fourth line and what they do to teams and what they've done to teams the last couple of games, what they did in Pittsburgh, what they did against Washington, they just forecheck the crap out of you. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. And and I'm excited about that, that Gallant found his lines. They're locked in the third, figure it out, play tough, get as a group gel, and let's see what you do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I'm not... Nice try, Ben, but I'm not talking myself into thinking that they could catch New Jersey or Carolina. They they dug themselves too big of a hole with all the cap juggling and the injuries. They dug themselves too big of a hole. They're not coming out of it, but I'm happy in the three, the the third seed. And whether it's New Jersey or whether it's Carolina, I prefer Carolina given the Svechikov injury. I think it'll be a good series either way. And I think the Rangers have a chance to win. And they they are what they are. Exciting, yep. but you're, I'm not that excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, Good try. Tom, Good try. hey, man, I had to try. But <laughs> I do have to say, in terms of for, something that did stand out to me with the Devils yesterday, and this is the only time I'm really going to point this out. Who do you think was the fastest devil on the ice yesterday? Miles Wood. No, Mike, Mike McLeod. Shot. Who was the fastest guy on the ice for the Devils yesterday? Yes. Who clocked in at the fastest skate time? Like the fastest clocked uh, I, time. I think this is like a trick question. I think I saw because they put it on the screen. Uh, no, actually, I, I, it's probably not right. I, I, I think it's, it. no, no, no. Say it, say it. I don't know. I, I swore they put something up and it was Timo or something like that. Is that wrong? It is wrong. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, it was not Timo. As <laughs> I was say, I saw it somewhere. No. And I thought they put Timo, but go ahead. Sorry. It was Curtis Lazar. Mm. Curtis Lazar and Tyler Mott will be will be similar. In my eyes. No, but like, think about it. I know. Think about the speed on that line because you guys just said McLeod and Wood before Lazar. And those are his <laughs> <It's> line <true>. mates. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Let's go. That's just my little pushback to your VC Best fourth line in the, in the league. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's hey, just my little Anytime you can there. put a two-time Stanley Cup champion that that 
is centering your fourth line and then a guy that was playing top six top six minutes for most of the year until the trade deadline on your fourth line i mean hey it's, no it's look, to match. that's the thing i here's the thing though i love mikey mcleod just because the amount of face-offs he can win is such an advantage and you say they, those two, that is just going to be a fun matchup i say both of these coaches are just going to let the fourth lines play each other if the devils and rangers meet in the playoffs because that's just the slugfest and it'll be awesome to see but talking about the rangers though here and to your point about patrick kane obviously and even still he is going to look slower than normal and it's because he's learning a new system for the first time in how long this guy has been with the same team for his entire career now he's shifting to a new city say what you want he's living in a hotel it is not going to be the same as his routine when he was living in chicago in his house in his home his apartment wherever he was so this is a new city He's got to get acclimated. Yes, he wanted to come here. It doesn't mean it's not an adjustment still. Not to mention the fact you when you're learning a new system, when you're learning something, you do things slower. You don't move at full speed. Like it's it's just nature. It's just the way you are and it's the way we operate. So for Patrick Kane, obviously he is not going to look as fast as he normally does until he gets everything down, until he grasps everything. That's why p- some teams when they know they want a guy, they'll go pull the trigger before the deadline. So that way a guy can learn the system. Like the like devil did with Tarasenko. Holding, <laughs> it, well, and that's the thing. Exactly. Tarasenko got to settle in a little bit longer, but the devils, they didn't just throw Meyer out there on the ice because they know their system is complicated. Even still, it is taking Meyer time to adjust and learn that style of play and fit his game into that style. So it's it's one of the it's a learning process. It's baby steps. It's really just progress. And that's the big thing you pointed out is you're seeing progress from Patrick Kane. He's slowly starting to mash and gel and become exactly what the Rangers were looking for. And that's the same thing with Timo Meyer. Although the production isn't necessarily what Devils fans are hoping for, and it does look like he's hitting like eight posts a game at the same time. His like all of the numbers and the advanced metrics and analytics are telling you that Timo Meyer has been a dominant force and the devil's possession numbers when he's on the ice for the most part have been dominant. So, you know, the results will come And the same thing with Patrick Kane. He's at least scoring some, he's scoring a little bit more than Meyer, but the results for Kane and Meyer are going to come. You got to realize that these guys are still adjusting and fitting into new teams when they have spent their entire career so far with one team in the NHL. Now, Mikey D, let's get your thoughts here on the Rangers. I know I don't really think you you have a lot of faith no, in I'm that. Just no, I, I, <laughs> right no, now, Mike will be nice. Yeah. Give it, give it three more weeks. We'll see how nice Mikey D is. Yeah, I'm going to be nice see, now. We got to nah. see what this matchup's going to be in the playoffs. But <laughs> even, anyway, even then, no matter what, Mikey will not be nice when it comes playoff time. Of course not. But like <laughs> at the same time, I'm, I mean, as as long as you know, Tom knows. You know, I'm just going to be like this because uh, you know. Uh, it's more of a feeling thing than is being realistic, everything like that. But, but going to the chase, I mean, it does, it does terrify me a little bit that that uh, that Kane is fitting into the system well. I know obviously he's still early and everything, and but but you know he's starting to really uh, you know you know go on the path of of, of being 
obviously it sounds cliche, but he's being Patrick Kane. You know, obviously they know what they were getting when he were, when, when they got him. Uh, but you know, it is really hard to fit into a new system. And you know, it's it's only been a short amount of time. You know, he's just already starting to become a scoring force for them. And um, and and it is, it does, it does scare me to 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 a bit. But I came on here last podcast and I've said it before, and and I, you know, I'll tell the truth. Like the Rangers, you know, the top six, they're scary. And Tom's right when it comes to their fourth line. They're probably one of the most dominant fourth lines in in the league. They just have talent all around. So I don't think it's crazy for Ben to say earlier that, I mean, the Rangers still could have a potential shot of getting a home ice or or becoming, uh, you know, division champs. Anything can happen in these last, you know, less than 20 games. So, um, you know, the Devils can go on a cold streak and, and obviously Carolina with the big injury that they just had, you know, they can go on a cold streak and the Rangers could just keep getting better and better. So it wouldn't shock me one bit. It just shows how the, the true test of how talented this division is. And the Rangers deserve to be one of those teams as one of the on top of this division as well. So I'll be nice, Tom. You're welcome. You're just making me smile over here. I'll say this. I think the Rangers end the month with a home at home with Carolina, and then they play the Devils. So if they could, I'm just, once again, let me preface this with this. I don't think it's going to happen. This is all 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 hypothetical. You got to talk it up. (laughs) If what Mikey D is saying is possible and it happens, that would be a huge stretch of games because then the Rangers could gain four points on the, on the hurricanes and gain two on the devils. Uh, So if they could get it close, it it, it could be, it could be interesting, but uh, yeah, I, I I just don't see it. I I know how the Rangers play. Uh, They don't have a really good, I mean, Halak's been solid, but Anytime Halak's on the ice, the Rangers probably will lose going forward. So it's just it, it's just tough. They still don't have Lindgren. I I can't see it, but when you look at them on paper, of course they could they could go on a seven game winning streak starting with their win on Tuesday night. They could just not lose for the next because they have that much talent. It's it, it, it's not crazy, and I'm not even being biased when I'm saying that they have that much talent, but I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think we are all in agreement here that the Rangers are capable of being a top five team in our power ranking. I think that I'm pretty sure I have them pretty close to the top five, if not in the top five right now. I think that with Toronto, New Jersey, and Boston, you've got the top three right there um, in terms of Carolina. If they're going to stick around, we have to see them without Spachnikov consistently play still. Uh, I know they got the win, but that's that's running off emotion. We have to see them actually you know, do this. I'm not sure they'll get bumped off that second spot just yet. But in terms of this series now, I want to dive into this series with the Penguins because we we look at the Penguins and we think, okay, they're old. But they've also just, for some reason, been piling up points. So, Tom, this is what I want to do. I worked with the Wilkes-Barre Penguins. I know some of the guys in the on the roster who played in Wilkes-Barre last year. So I want to kind of talk about a few things. I want to talk about what the Penguins can do to scare the Rangers, or not necessarily scare the Rangers, but what they how they can win these games. Tom, I want to hear from you first, though. What do you think the Rangers are doing to prepare for the Penguins? I think the Rangers know they're the better team. I think what the Rangers need to do is not hand games to the Penguins. The Rangers would have won on Sunday night if they didn't weren't just so what what I think happens with the Penguins is this might sound extremely biased. Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Zucker, all those guys, excuse my language, they all they all look like douchebags. Like you, I can't imagine one hockey player starting a game against them, a big game, 
and not just wanting to kill them or like hit them into the boards or I feel like the Rangers get so tight early in games against the Penguins and they take stupid penalties. I mean, on Sunday there was like six penalties. So I think the biggest thing for the Rangers and what started to happen towards the end of the series last year, the Rangers started playing their game. They weren't letting the Penguins play on their terms. And then the Rangers kind of playing counter attack hockey, the Rangers gave it to the Penguins. That's what started to happen. That's when they started exposing Louis Domingue and and all that kind of stuff. If the Rangers do that, they are, they're going to win the uh, against the Penguins more times than they lose. It's when the Rangers start taking dumb penalties because Crosby gets under their skin, Malkin starts, you know, they just start playing this like aggressive, grinding type of hockey, the Penguins sometimes against the Rangers. They lay the wood, they finish all their checks, and I think it gets to the Rangers. The Rangers start playing tight. They start making mistakes I never see them make. If they could just get past like the first five, six, seven minutes, first couple shifts in the game without making those stupid mistakes, the, the game usually starts tilting in the Rangers' favor. And Sunday is the perfect example. The Penguins scored two ugly goals. They got under the Rangers' skin. They got a lot of penalties. The second and third period, if the Rangers played like that in the first period, the Rangers would have won that game probably 4-5-1 because the ice was tilted in their favor probably until like the last couple of minutes of the third period because it's hockey. But yeah, that's what the Rangers need to do. They need to play their game because if the Penguins start getting on the Rangers' skin, that's when the Penguins beat the Rangers because they're slower, they're older, and truthfully, they're less talented than the Rangers. And that's the only way they beat us is if they get us off their game. So that's it. Play your game. Don't be stupid. And the Rangers beat the Penguins. Yeah, I think definitely the Rangers are the better team. There's no question about that. But I think some injuries have opened up some opportunities for guys who I've been waiting to see up in Pittsburgh. And two of them, one of them's guy who's been swinging up and down the last two years. It's Drew O'Connor, OC, we call them. He's a very strong player. He can. He was playing. He was centering the top line down in Wilkesbury, and when he's in Wilkesbury, their top line is three points a night. When he's not, they are held off the board. That's how important and how much offense he can facilitate at the professional level. Now, up in the NHL, he's still able to put up some points, but the guy who I've been waiting for since the Penguins traded Sam Lafferty to Chicago for him is Alex Nylander, brother of William Nylander up in Toronto. Nylander, Tom, I just want to hear what were your thoughts on Nylander uh, in that game on uh, this past weekend? Did you notice him too much? I just want to see from someone who's not looking for him. (laughs) I didn't. I I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, wow, like, wow, like he's all over the place. But he there were a couple shifts where I was like, that's a a nice play right there. Oh, wow, that kick and shoot like there. I could see it. I I can understand in a couple of years him 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 being a very, very good scoring depth piece for the for the Penguins and maybe even more than that. But to be truthfully honest, and maybe it's because I just cannot stand the Penguins and watching the Penguins with the Rangers playing just puts my mind in a totally different area. I didn't notice him too much, but I'll have to watch a Penguins game. Well, yeah, and look, here's the thing, and that's why I wanted to ask, because I'm someone who is going to be looking for him just because he's someone who I saw play and I know what his game looks like. And part of the reason why I do like him being up here is I don't necessarily think he's a top six forward right now. I do think he's more of the bottom six depth right now. 
But playing with Evgeny Malkin is a good move for him because he's he's someone who can skate, he creates offense, and he knows how to bury the puck. You've got Jason Zucker, a veteran guy, and Evgeny Malkin, a veteran guy, playing with Nylander, who's young and still trying to find his game. I think eventually he can settle into the bottom six. You could swap Raquel, and he can play a solid game with Drew O'Connor and Michael Granlin or even with Jeff Carter, who's on the fourth line. I think the Penguins' depth with those two guys in Nylander and O'Connor is actually better than when they are healthy with Nick Bonino, who's currently on injured reserve. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think Ryan Poling and Dmitry Kulikov, yeah, they're solid guys. I think it'll help to get P.O. Joseph out of the lineup because he's someone who's just been a liability for them. I mean, defensively, I don't know if Kulikov makes them that much better. I think they're, they are what they are on the back end, just playing a complicated system. But I think forward-wise, their depth is on par to at least get into the playoffs and hold on to that last wild, or that first wild card spot. I hope you're wrong, but I agree. They're going to, they're going to make the playoffs and, Ugh, 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 ugh. I hope that, I'll say this and I and I, I want to know I want to hear Mikey D too about this if the Devils oh, win the division sure. if the Devils win the division I pray I pray they don't have to play the Penguins because you you will understand last year and and I'm saying I'm pointing this question to Mikey D because Mikey D whether he says it or admits it or not was actively rooting for the Pittsburgh Penguins last last playoffs actively 110% like, I mean rooting for them so hard I want to have I hope the devil fans don't have to experience how annoying it is playing a team like that because there's nothing more frustrating. I get Sidney Crosby is all world, probably one of the best players you could ever watch play this game. There is something so annoying in a game six or a game seven, having to see this guy skate next to refs and talk and chirp in there after every supposedly missed call or any dude, nothing more annoying. And I hope the devils, devils and devils fans don't have to deal with that. Part of me says, I hope they have to deal with that because then you'll understand how I felt. And why it's amazing because there's always two sides to every story that Tom doesn't want to tell where he was basically chirping at other double fans, uh, even though they had nothing to do with the game. And uh, but he won't bring that up because, you know, it's poor pity me, Tom. So what 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 are you talking about? Uh, what am I talking about? Dude, anytime uh, your team's down the playoffs and you're chirping, I'm allowed to chirp at whoever I want to chirp at and uh, say whatever <laughs> I want. If ben, you're if you're not if your team's not in the playoffs and you're ben, chirping a team in the playoffs, I'm allowed to say whatever I want to that person or those people. <laughs> Anything I want. This year will be different. If I start chirping Devils fans and they're also in the playoffs, then that's stupid. Then that's stupid of me. But when the Devils were one of the worst teams in hockey last year, and they start chirping me and rooting for the team uh, that my team's playing in the playoffs. I'm allowed to say whatever I want, whatever. Hey, man, it's part of the hate. It's part of the hate. You no, just got to live with it. You, the chirping is going to – the well, chirping is warranted I think what pisses me and it's justified that whenever. Do that's that's what pisses me You don't do it. <sighs> no, I would never do that in that same situation. I would never do that. And okay. that's a fact. Right, I mean, we'll hey, see. man, I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> say this. When Louis Domingue got called up, I was, I was happy for him. But I was upset because that meant that Wilkes-Barre had to go with Tommy Napier and that. Well, Napier did get them through that first series. He wasn't as good. Louis Domingue was good. Yeah, I was. I was texting. I was like, oh. I, I was, was pissed, like, too. Ranger probably would have won that series in five with Tristan Jari in that. Uh, and it was crazy, too, because I remember uh, when their second round series, I think, was when that Penguins-Rangers series was finishing up. Because actually, all three – of the of the Penguins affiliates, uh, Pittsburgh, Wilkesbury, and Wheeling 
all of them got knocked out of the playoffs on the same day. Oof. Oof. <laughs> and I remember Wilkesbury was playing Springfield and Springfield went and score or Wilkesbury went up four nothing in the first period. They call I will say this the refs called a couple ticky tack penalties to get Springfield back in the game, and then Springfield scored seven goals. Wilkesbury tied it again, and then like Springfield scored one more and the game was over. It was <laughs> an unbelievable game and all the while, they're giving updates in the Penguins-Rangers game while it's going on. It was just like the crowd there was going nuts. Everyone was going crazy. It was it was honestly a great time, but it was it was one of those things where everyone left the arena upset. I will say that Game 7 was one of the best sporting events I've ever been to. Luckily, luckily enough, seeing it live, seeing Panarin's goal right in front of me, literally not like four rows up, uh, was probably one of the best moments ever. And seeing Crosby skate next to a ref after it because he thought the penalty was soft was even better. It was just amazing. No, and that's and that's what makes sports great. So now we're gonna shift over and close out the show. We've been doing it with our power rankings, so let's not change it up here. We're gonna go into our power rankings. So let's just go down the list once again. Boston unanimous number one. We started disagreeing at number two this time. Carolina, who had been the unanimous number two for our first few power rankings, they come in at number two again, but two second place votes and one third place vote we have the new jersey devils who ended up getting a second place vote from me (laughs) both tom and and mikey d kept them at three so they stay at three in our power rankings with 25 points carolina 26 points with those two second place votes toronto at number four with 21 points all three of us voted for them to be the number four team despite winning both of their games this past week, but only playing two games. So I guess the Devils' three wins the, to close out the week was enough to kind of overshadow that. You have the Dallas Stars at number five with 17 points atop of the Central Division. The New York Rangers at sixth with 14 points. And Vegas, they're coming in at number seven, 13 points. They do lead the Western Conference and the Pacific Division. We have the Tampa Bay Lightning at number eight with nine points. The Minnesota Wild at number nine with five points. And then the Los Angeles Kings close out the power rankings. We were just talking about them. They're a team that could even make a run for the top seed in the West if they can chase down Vegas. But we all had them as the 10th best team in our power rankings. We're going to slide things over to Mikey. D to start us off here Mikey D what's the one team you want to talk about I is a team I'm gonna go with the middle of the pack here and then uh yeah I know you you were like oh of course you're gonna pick them because of what happened uh, just recently uh but I'm gonna go with the Tampa Bay Lightning and talk about them a little bit because we have been on this pod we talked about it for weeks on end before that you know this seems like this team is falling off a little bit you know the, the team that has been to three straight Stanley Cups yeah they're falling off a little bit um I just got to say, are we like a little crazy? And I know I might be getting a little biased, everything like that, because they just put a beat down on, on, on our favorite team. Uh, but, you know, we just got to look at this team 
in depth and just got to look at what they're capable of. And and me and you, Ben, we talked about it before we even got on the pod. And we said that, you know, it doesn't even look like they played that good the other night against the Devils. And they still found a way to dominate. Like, they just played mediocre hockey and they got it done. And also, we got to mention that this was without uh, Steven Stamkos, you know, one of their most explosive offensive players as well. I mean, if you look at their team, I mean, the only pre- person that they're missing is obviously Pilat that's now at the Devils um, that they were last year. And we can't forget how dy- dynamic they've been last year. And like we said, the last three years in a row, we just need to, you know, show a little appreciation because, you know, when it comes to this lightning team, it kind of reminds you of, you know, I'll bring another sport into this, but it kind of reminds you of like the Golden State Warriors back in their prime. You know, for the NBA, you know, just year year in and year out. I mean, they always competed and they're always going to find a way to get in and they're always going to find a way to show out. Um, and it would not surprise me with this team. I know they're a little low in the standings right now, but at the same time, like you said, there's a little bit less than 20 games left. I mean, they could find a way to win some games. Um, they have the talent to do it. Uh, they have the coaching to do it. They have the goaltending to do it. They've always have. They're just having a little bit of a down year, but sometimes it's the team that you're not too worried about that could scare you the most. And I think the Lightning could definitely jump our standings uh, going down the stretch in these games here and uh, be a real threat again, like they always have been. Yeah, we saw them fall. They were, I believe, fifth in our power rankings uh, just the week before. I had them at number four, but they they just haven't been very consistent, and they've been win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Interested to see. They have two more games against the Devils, similar to the Penguins and Rangers, uh, three games and uh, three out of four games, something like that. For the devil's sake, that's who I'm going to talk about here. New Jersey, I think it's important to not overreact to that Tampa loss. I I think that was probably the worst game I've seen them play since opening night against Philly. They just looked horrible. From five minutes into the second period on, they just looked like they didn't have any confidence. They started the second period by outshooting Tampa Bay, and then they didn't have a shot in like the final 12 minutes of the period, it felt like. And then Tampa Bay not only scored three goals, but a goal with 0.8 seconds left. You cannot let that happen. That looked like the team from last year. That looked like the 21-22 New Jersey Devils. And really... I, you know, you could chalk it up to bad goaltending. I don't think VTech was that bad. I think the play in front of him was atrocious. The turnovers were bad. And how many chances did Nico Heischer have to score a goal in this game? I think they hit four posts on top of that. They, they really just did not play a good game. I think Tampa Bay did play mediocre hockey. The Devils still had their chances as well while they played mediocre hockey. I expect both of these teams to play better and it to be a much closer game the next time they play uh, tonight when we release this podcast on Thursday. Now, for the Devils' sake, what I do want to talk about with them is I do think they're the best Uh, the second best team in the East now, especially with the Svechnikov injury. And I thought they proved that. I know Carolina's proven they could beat the Devils, but the Devils just went out there and proved they can dominate the Hurricanes with Timo Meyer. And yeah, the Hurricanes didn't have Svechnikov. Well, guess what? They're not going to have Svechnikov now. And again, I hate to say that because you don't want an injured player to impact the season, but the reality of the situation is it does. And for the Devils' sake, I think that they are the second best team in the NHL right now behind the Boston Bruins. There is not a game that this team goes into that I don't think they could win. And for the most part, even when they're down, last night, the way they were playing, it didn't feel like they were going to come back or the other night against Tampa it just didn't feel like it the way they were playing but most of the time this team always feels like they can come back no matter what the deficit is so I do think it's important to realize that you know 
this team, part of their dominance is it just always feels like they are winning games and they can win games. Tom, let's slide it over to you. What's the team you want to talk about on our power rankings? I'm going to, for all our Carolina and North Carolina listeners, I am going to shed some light on the Carolina Hurricanes where things seem so bleak. And that is, I have to give my reasoning on why we did our weekly power rankings, why I still had Carolina as the second best team in the league ahead of the New Jersey Devils, even though the Devils gave them a nice little ass whooping on Sunday at the Rock. And the reason why is because it's more of a respect thing at a point, kind of like how, Ben, you kind of kept the lightning up high. The Hurricanes still, barring everything they are going to go through and what they have been going through, are still the second best team in the NHL until they're not in my in my eyes. So how I look at it and how I will say Carolina won't be the second best team in the league is let's say over the next week when we, we do our another power rankings, the rest of the week, let's say the Hurricanes fall a little bit, the Devils take care of business against the Lightning, and the Devils take like a four to five point lead in the division. That's when I'll say, you know what? The Devils have taken over as the second best team in the league. Until that happens, if the Devils and Hurricanes kind of stay even, even keel, I have to give it to the Hurricanes for sheer experience for what they've done, what they've done consistently, not even just this year, but just in general and how I've seen Carolina up close a lot. And I just, I, I know they're just so talented still. They, Rob Brendamore is such a great coach. I just think until they go on a slide, they're, it goes Bruins, Hurricanes, Devils in the East. And that's, I don't have meant much to say other than that. I just think that they deserve that respect because a lot of teams, what they've gone through would not be in the spot they are. And I think that does say something. It, it, it's not sometimes just the players on the ice. Sometimes it's a collective team. It's a team game. Sure. I look at the hurricanes and the devils. Jack Hughes is probably better than Ajo or just up there. Nico, he's is probably better than the second line center. Meyer, Brad, like I, I, if I go player by player, you're going to be like, Tom, the devils are the bet, the second team, the second best team in, 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 in the league this year. It's just look at the players, look at their production. But, but as a collective team, I still just think, like, look what Carolina's doing. And I think that's just my best judgment for why I think they're still the second best team in the league. My judgment will be based on how the rest of the season goes. And my benchmark is four to five points. Devils get a four to five point lead on the Hurricanes. They will be the second best team. But right now, it's still the Hurricanes for me. I think that's fair, Tom. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think four to five points, but I do think if the Devils are unable to overtake Carolina and they stay tied or they stay behind. Yeah, you know what? Carolina does move back up. But for right now with the Svechnikov injury, that's just my opinion. And, you know, as a Devils fan, it's going to be a little biased. I can't I can't take that out of it. It's it's I've watched them every game. I know what their flaws are. I know what their strengths are. And I know that their strengths play very well against a lot of other teams. But that is going to do it for us here on the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in again. Uh, check out our website. We have blogs, the Outsider Sports NHL Buzz. That's up every week coming out on Monday morning. So please check that out at outsidersports.net. Follow us on Twitter at Outsidersports3. Check us out at TikTok on, and YouTube by looking up Outsider Sports. And make sure you check out all of our other podcasts. We have baseball and football out all on Spotify. And if you want to find the links, we have them all posted on Twitter and at our website. So go ahead and check that out and tune in again next week as we bring more news from around the national.